it's not brain science, it's rocket surgery. This is Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> Incomparable. Number 312. August 2016. Welcome back, everybody, to the Incomparable's Rocket Surgery Edition, where we look at a questionable film from a, <laughs> a, a, a recent or past decade and discuss it. Uh, the <laughs> 90s. The 90s is now in our in our uh, sites. We we visited the 2010s with Cool Cat, and now it's the 90s. And Johnny Mnemonic from the height. Of cyberpunk mania, okay, from several years after the height of <laughs> cyberpunk mania, comes Keanu Reeves in uh, a film based on a short story by William Gibson. Gibson also credited with the screenplay. Um, for a screenwriter, he's a very fine novelist. So joining me to talk about Johnny Mnemonic are three brave people. David Lore, Hello. I just want to say I saw Cool Cat twice. Twice! This is not about Cool Cat. Damn it! <laughs> Are all your comments going to be about Cool Cat instead of Johnny Mnemonic? <laughs> there he is! Joe Rosensteel is here. Joe, I have faxed information to you, so it's in the fax buffer. <laughs> Look for it okay. in the fax buffer. I'll check the three anime images that I have and uh, compare it against the 16 gigabytes I have stored in the data doubler inside my brain. Okay. Well done. And uh, also, uh, hey, Baldy, it's Monty Ashley. (laughs) Because of when I was born, just the mention of Yakuza and Black Ice makes things sound cool. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's true. Those are the the tropes that are at work here in Johnny Mnemonic. So, yeah, uh, William Gibson wrote a short story called Johnny Mnemonic. I remember reading it. It was in his Burning Chrome uh, collection. Uh, And then... They decided not to make a movie of Neuromancer, his groundbreaking and famous uh, famous novel, which s- the rights were sold to somebody else and they never made a movie over it. But uh, but instead, somebody said, oh, but we have the rights to this other thing called Johnny Mnemonic. We could make a movie of that. And they hired uh, Robert Longo to direct it. Uh, Robert Longo, a painter and sculptor, not a director. Uh, but hey, what the heck? And uh, Kaskiana Reeves, four years before The Matrix, a very, this is like the movie The Matrix. It's like the all the wrong turns. <laughs> it makes you realize what a magical miracle The Matrix is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's not even that they hired him. Apparently, he and Gibson got together. Well, yeah. And then they couldn't find enough money, so they got somehow 30 times the money, which is bizarre. They wanted to make a weird $1 million art film based on Johnny Mnemonic, and instead they couldn't get funding for that, but they could get, uh, what is it, uh, TriStar to put in, like, 30, 30 million. million <laughs> sure, This why is not? why TriStar doesn't exist, or didn't exist anymore. They, they no longer use it very often, uh, most right. of the time, but it's part of uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment, so it's all that, that money they had in the 90s, right after they set up the, the studio, and... Oh boy, what a what a total waste! <laughs> now, of the of the movies that we've seen on on the rocket surgery, I have to say it is the most like Super Mario Brothers from two years before. There's something about those bad movies from the '90s. Something about it. It's it's not quite as well lit. Yeah. Well, the other so the other weird thing. So uh, I think is the Max Headroom connection that Super Mario Brothers was by the directors of the original Max Headroom TV movie from the UK, and they brought some of the. Uh, 
perhaps even literally the sets from Max Headroom <laughs> into into Super Mario Brothers. John Mnemonic also reminds me of of Max Headroom because Max, Max Headroom was one of the better realized sort of cyberpunk visions, you know. And and the the sad thing about Johnny Mnemonic is it was it's a major motion picture made almost mm-hmm. ten years after. Well, thirty million made almost ten years after Max Headroom was was done on television, and uh, is not does not look better in basically any way. No. Well, Max Headroom understood that the way to make something look cool and computer generated was to make a background and then put rubber hair on a person who would <laughs> act weird. Yeah. Well, yeah, but but even even just the the real world of it does not look as futuristic yeah. or I mean, it's just. It looks like they're driving through Newark, yeah. uh, which well, would be which great they if they'd are. actually shot in Newark. They didn't even do that. <laughs> yeah, they but had the headline Canada. at one point that says, free city of Newark. And you think, oh, here comes the futuristic dystopian Newark, and they're going to make fun of New Jersey. And it, it really just kind of looks like a city. It yeah. looks like present-day dystopian Newark. No, the difference is, and my, Max Hedrum taught me this, is if there are fires going on in trash barrels, <laughs> then it's a dystopian future. And boy, they got that. They got them inside, too, which everybody would die of the smoke, by the way, for that. But it doesn't matter. Somehow, it's all good inside. So, uh, it's the future. Should I, should I uh, summarize the plot as we go, as, as we do? Does that sound like a thing I should do now? Is, is there enough plot to summarize? We can spend about 20 minutes making fun of the opening crawl and then <laughs> whip through the rest of the movie. The opening crawl is pretty much all you need. It's like we, we were watching it and, and the 14-year-old goes... There's a movie after that? That's the story. There's a lot of words. It takes forever. It's it's really ugly. It's garish. It's like it's daring you to read it. And at, <laughs> at that point, I'm still optimistic. I'm like, oh, this is the movie version of the magazine Mondo 2000. <laughs> Except without the coherence. There's too much text uh, in general. And it's also too much text to use that font. And it's also too much text to use God rays that's, that shoot out from the middle of the screen as the text scrolls up through it. I, Very I, quickly. I can't imagine uh, how excited the intern was when he was given the task to do this and how <laughs> excited the director was when he saw how cool and neat it was in dailies. But in the film, this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. We bought an Amiga. Use every button on it. Carl tells us a lot about uh, this world that we're in. I guess there's nerve attenuation syndrome, which is a terrible uh, disease that people seem to have. There are people called the low techs uh, who are <laughs> apparently re- rebels against the corporations that rule the world in the year in the far off future of 2021, by the way. Yeah. And it's also capital L, lowercase o, capital T, E. KS. Yeah. So, you know, just 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 to really make it like futury. It can't uh-huh. just be low tech people. It it's got to be low techs. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And again, I'm I'm just saying this is 25 years in the future from when they from when they made it. And that that was a really bad 25 years, I guess. That that <laughs> now there's just flames in in oil barrels everywhere uh in the in the city. Um anyway, so after the crawl, which is big and and looks awful, uh, we are taken to the internet 2021. <laughs> There's taken a super to title. Lawnmower Man. Uh-huh. Yeah. Except not as good as Lawnmower Man, <laughs> even though this was made earlier. I wrote well, down, it looks like an episode of Reboot, the Saturday morning <laughs> CGI cartoon. We fly through the internet 
uh, and end up through this really kind of dumb uh, 3D stuff. We 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 end up in uh, the New Darwin Inn where Johnny Mnemonic, uh, well Johnny is his name. He wakes up. He's got. There's a girl there. She's wearing a nightgown. She says, "I gotta go get some ice." There's already ice in the room. She doesn't come back. Um. So that's that's our welcome to Johnny. Is he's I don't know. He's he's, he's getting dumped. He's getting dumped by the the girl from last night. Who knows? Uh, a girl from five minutes ago. <laughs> I, <laughs> and- I I quite frankly don't know. He won't remember her five minutes from now. They do not go out of their way to establish anything about Johnny's personality or tastes. <laughs> no. So it comes really out of nowhere when late in the movie he has a breakdown set, and apparently he likes room service and luxury. Yeah. They could have established yeah. that now. Meh, yeah. why bother? At yeah. this point, so they, they, and we've got this, so we've got, we had the 3D fly through and we've got this establishing shots that he's in this hotel and I was already in despair about this movie when we got to this point, <laughs> to the point where I wrote down in my notes, like six lines down, so early, I wrote, I take back everything bad I ever said about Blade Runner. <laughs> because this is the point in the movie where I think, boy, they really want to be Blade Runner. And they are mm-hmm. not even like, mm-hmm. not even close to being Blade Runner. Yeah, this is like a bunch of high school kids in 1989 making a, a school project version of Blade Runner. Except I think that would turn out better too. Yeah, or like the the USA networks when they they used to have those those late at night sci fi things that they would make in Canada is mm-hmm. almost eerily eerily similar well, to this. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's probably the yeah. same people worked on it. Sort of the skill level of Alien from L.A. Yeah, yeah for the for the MST fans, well, the Kathy Ireland fans. So the story is that that Johnny is a a neuro courier and he stores data in his head through an implant. But in order to get it installed, he had to lose some of his memories. So he wants to get his memories back. He tells his broker or buddy or whatever he is that he wants his uh, he wants it all back. But he doesn't have enough money to do it. The price got raised. So he has to have one more job, do one more run, and then he'll be he'll have enough to get the implants taken out and he can retire. Because that's totally what happens in movies. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a very unique plot. And I certainly haven't heard of anything like this with somebody nope. trying to get out of this sort of situation um <laughs> but uh but you know ralphie is played by you know that guy who's in that stuff uh you know it's uh, uh, i can't even say his U- name udo kier, udo kier. yeah kier. He's, he's in a he's in a ton of things so i immediately recognize him as oh it's hey it's, it's that, that guy, guy. Yeah. yeah i don't trust him that's udo kier <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's one of those things where if we were supposed to on any level at all trust this person then i don't i don't think the casting was a was a good choice or the the weird sort of like uh, breathy way of uh, communicating nearly everything in a smoke-filled uh, video scape um, to, to Johnny. Uh, so it's sort of like, yes, this guy's totally going to screw you over, and you are going to be in trouble. Uh, so to totally have faith in him. <sighs> so uh, Ralphie tells him that there's a new job, and this is what he's going to do. He needs to go to central Beijing tomorrow night. Don't <laughs> don't be late. That's all the information he's given. Central Beijing, very small. I mean, Beijing, not that big a town, really. And the central part is really just like you just stay, hang around central Beijing and uh, it'll all be fine. Yeah. It's, it's like what Maine, Maine and Central yeah. uh, is the corner. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, First Street. Note how expensive this whole system is to operate, where you have to start by flying somebody to China. 
it, it's not very practical. It's so the he, future. So he goes to central Beijing. There are there are people rioting, wearing and wearing like hospital masks and stuff. There's a riot going on uh, outside the hotel. There's a there's like taxis and stuff. And and what does he do, Joe? He just like walks over the walks over the hood of the taxis or something in the riot to get to the hotel. Uh, well, it's bizarre because they're completely surrounded by people. So you'd think you'd have the taxi cab just be like, hey. Stop here before you get to this throng of people. But somehow, I guess, they slowly and patiently worked their way through with the car so that he was near the building, but not quite there. And but then he walked the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, it, it, it's, it's poor d- directing, and I have no idea what that's supposed to communicate, other than there is civil unrest, which has no impact. These people don't seem to be suffering from uh, the network attached storage uh problem that's sweeping the world Mm -hmm. um but they just seem to be unhappy people who are protesting things uh and he goes into the hotel and there's immediately none of that it's all swept away and we have the the weird interaction with the kids and the fish bowl there's a big circular fish tank (laughs) and there's a couple of there's a kid or is it twins uh who are behind it and he looks at them through the fish tank uh as he's getting in the elevator he he laboriously pulls out a, a a little thing and presses the button that that is his memory doubler, which takes his 80 gigabytes of memory and makes it 160 gigabytes of memory. I want to talk about this. Okay. Because that, more than any visual element, dates <laughs> this movie to within about a two-year span yeah. when memory doublers were a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember this because my mother worked for a company called Stack that created a thing called Stacker, which would double the space on your drive, and then Microsoft bought it or stole it or something. I forget what. Anyway, my point is this. Clearly, because none of this memory doubler stuff happens in the story, clearly somebody related to the movie was saying, well, what does it matter if he downloads too much memory? You just get a memory doubler like I just got. So they have to put in this whole rigmarole about him installing a memory doubler in his brain to go from 80 gig to 160 gig. And then it's mentioned like six times throughout the movie where they just go on and on about how even after the memory doubler, (laughs) could you just not had the memory doubler? It it really doesn't make anything any better. And we get the the weird little uh, port. You know, it's it's not quite a headphone jack, but uh, but it's close. So again, something that they got wrong about the near future is all, all, all the things that are like headphone jacks will be gone by then. Well, this uh, is a this is a thing they one of many things this movie does worse than the Matrix. In this movie, <laughs> he's got a head a port in his head that you jack something into, and he just has to sweep his hair aside and poke a tiny little needle thing into it. But in the Matrix, it's this giant port that you pick what looks like a gasoline hose into the back of your head and it looks cool mm-hmm. in in either case i think it's safe to say keanu was not made by apple <laughs> the uh the memory double yeah ram doubler was like in the mid 90s too yep. so that's absolutely that well yeah um just yeah it, it is it, i just it, it's so absurd that's like why do we go through this extra stage because it's cool it's a cool idea man uh, somebody i read i read somebody who said that um that they thought this was a uh like they wanted to make a david lynch movie but at some point 
uh, somebody, perhaps even the studio, said, no, 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 it needs to be as literal and linear as possible. Um, <laughs> uh, it might have even been William Gibson, who I know said something similar to that. He 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 says that there's a cut of this that he liked. Uh, we were saying yesterday when we were watching this, Joe, <laughs> it's hard to imagine that there is a cut of a cut of this that could possibly be any good. But perhaps if it was more nonsensical, it would be a better movie because your brain could fill in the gaps with things, perhaps even double your brain could double the quality in in your mind uh but uh as it is it's just all very linear and and boring and uh it's it's yeah. also just surprising because if there is a better cut of this, it would have to use entirely different footage with different performances. Because <laughs> yeah, this I is... wondered, did it, were, were there alternate takes that were way better that they left on the cutting room floor for this, where the studio's like, no, 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 that's too edgy. Let's go back to the one where they barely get the lines out. Yeah, <laughs> I have read another script by William Gibson. He wrote an Alien Three script mm-hmm. that was floating around for a while. They did not use it for the movie because it was completely unfilmable one of the features of it was that ripley was on screen but comatose for the entire movie so they would have had to pay sigourney weaver whatever exorbitant sum she asked for to not do anything yeah well like i said he hell of a novelist <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he really understands no. cinema so well. uh the courier is late uh. these people up in the hotel they're angry because the courier is late and then keanu arrives and he he sa- he holds up his briefcase and says, double cheese anchovies. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's like a pizza delivery guy. He's Mr. Yeah. Smith, though, not to be confused with Agent Smith and the Matrix, because that is, again, a much better movie on all dimensions. <laughs> and that and that leads him so so these guys there there are a bunch of guys in this room and I think there's at least one woman in there and they're and they're there it turns out they're like scientists and they're trying to give him something to smuggle. That's he's the this is the big score. This is what he's going to do. They need to get 320 gigabytes to Newark. It's extremely dangerous if that's too much capacity. We know that he only has 160 gigabytes of free space with his memory doubler, but he still agrees to it, which is apparently extremely dangerous, but he does it anyway. There is a funny moment in here where Keanu says, question, you don't look like the people I usually work with, which I think is interesting because that's totally not a question. No, it, <laughs> it, it's a statement. And he says question like to, to uh, as a, like a prefix to several things that he says in this this film. And it's like, you, you don't need to say that something's a question. <laughs> Interrogative. <you> just, uh, <laughs> yeah. They were worried he wasn't being robotic <laughs> enough. So they decided just to go all the way with it. No, you're too human. Dial it back. Uh, but the, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't understand that motivation behind that at all. It's a real head scratcher. And the, uh, you, you can tell it's really a, a future place because there are teal mini blinds and a burgundy wall and some, <laughs> giant rear screen projection of some anime that's going on Uh uh-huh uh it's 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 really strange what they chose to do with this uh and and, uh i don't even understand the dialogue that he's having uh, where they would be like okay we're gonna agree to give you this amount of data and you won't even tell us how much you could store and he's just like it's enough and it's like this this is a weird sort of equipment measuring question like this this is an actual like you need to do this in order to fulfill this job um and uh, uh he he just blows it off as if it w- was nothing and it's very peculiar uh how they no, chose to do that no one will be seated during the thrilling technical specification scene <laughs> you get the sense that he is trying to um 
you know, he doesn't care if it's dangerous to him because he's just trying to do this one last job. And they maybe are desperate because as far as they know, they're going to all get shot to death by the Yakuza in a very short amount of time. <laughs> so that all that all, I, you know, you could you could headcanon some of that a little bit. But you're right. It, it seems if this is incredibly important information that could change the world, which is what, what it turns out to be, that having your shifty courier who showed up late pretending that his briefcase is a pizza box uh, and says, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sure it's fine. You, you might have some questions for him, but they just kind of like <laughs> let it go. He puts on the VR goggles. Um, they, the, the encryption system they've got is three frames from the TV as they click around with their clicker on the TV and they, they, they get those images and then they fax those to Newark because faxing it <laughs> apparently is, is much, it's like two factor authorization, two factor authentication that you've got a fax machine in It's really in cool because they can, they can send a picture. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. My, I, I love the little device that the prop master made for this. It, he's, it's, he's got this thing that looks like a photo booth series of, of, of photos, of the three photos. Mm-hmm. And there's this little uh, flat reader thing that's supposed to suck it in. And it's exactly sized for this photo to be faxed. And it's like, what else were you faxing with this? This seems no. awfully one purpose, uh, single purpose. Uh, but but it, it, is, it is a bizarre uh, direction to go with this. Because even in 1995... Um, like there were better ways to transmit a series of photos uh, than that. So it, 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 I, I don't understand how that was supposed to be the future. What I, I love watching him when he's got the VR helmet on or VR goggles on and, yeah, and he's, you know, he's grimacing, in. right? And he's just like, the whole time. And they keep going back and forth to like what he's seeing and then, and more of what he's seeing. And, and finally we all went, they're making him watch Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. That's what it is. This edition of The Incomparable is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that has created a perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating those horrible commission-driven sales and inflated prices. It's an award-winning sleep surface. It was developed in-house at Casper, has a sleek design, and is delivered in this amazingly small, like how did they do that small, sized box. In addition to the mattress, by the way, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. They are on my bed right now, and they are glorious. Listen, mattresses can often cost over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost $500 for twin, all the way up to $950 for king, a shockingly fair price. They combine springy latex with supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. It's the most awarded mattress of the decade, and you can sleep on it. The in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper, and its breathable design helps sleep cool to regulate your temperature through the night in these hot summer months. That's very important. And buying a Casper is risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you. But uh, you're going to like it because I like mine, and I think you will be like me and enjoy the good feeling of a Casper mattress. So get $50 toward any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com slash Snell and using offer code Snell. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you, Casper, for sponsoring The Incomparable. I feel bad about making fun of a, show, a movie for not getting the future correct because that's famously difficult. <laughs> but it's so weird watching a movie that insists it's futuristic while having, you know, 320 gigabytes is a huge amount. And we fax things and all the phones still have your right. standard touch tone buttons. But there's nothing like voice control of anything. Even, that, even the AT&T logo is the current 1996 yeah. AT&T logo. 
The VR goggles, by the way, look exactly like yeah. the like modern, brand new, <laughs> like Oculus Rift goggles. They're like they yeah. na- nailed that. That that actually looked pretty good. That they got that one right. I really felt bad for their lack of voice control when I had to pause the movie to go into another room, and I was watching <laughs> on my Xbox, and I could just say xbox pause and the movie paused (laughs) while he was trying to dial a phone oh oh man and and david's uh groans earlier that's actually the sound keanu reeves makes he he makes these horrible groaning sounds as he's watching the vr having it loaded into his head um anyway so he goes he's freaking out uh, because he's just been loaded with way too much data. So he goes to the bathroom, does a little kung fu. His He get, has some bleeding from his nose, which is the universal sign of something wrong in your brain, is if you get a little nosebleed. Um, and the, meanwhile, the Yakuza have come. We've been watching them come up in the elevator. It's a very slow elevator sometimes. <laughs> it's as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they come in and, uh, and kill everybody, basically. They're, uh, they're killing people, shooting people. They're, they're chopping people, arms off and stuff like that with this microfilament oh, whip. That guy. That was the coolest thing in the world to me <laughs> when I read the story. See, he's got a detachable thumb and a monomolecular mono filament attached yes. to it and it just slices through anything and everybody in my crowd thought that was the most amazing idea but we never quite got the idea right because we never remembered it was monomolecular filament for some reason we thought it was monofilament for a long time <laughs> fishing line <laughs> yeah after reading the story in which this guy's thumb string cuts people's heads off and slices through concrete it we were, we were like that's weird they sell this in Walmart. But th- that's a point where the coolest thing in the world is just made boring by this movie. It's true. The The movie's good at that. That oh, happens yeah. a lot. It is. And I, I kept expecting Keanu to just, as they walk in, to just for him to go out of the bathroom right behind them and just leave. But instead, <laughs> he fight, He does He does some fighting because I guess he does. He knows Kung Fu, right? Uh, another Echoes of echoes of the Matrix Um they uh but but he he escapes and they uh they torture essentially some of the people who are still alive to tell him to tell them where he's taking the data and they finally give up the important information Newark <laughs> they also interrupt the facts which is they, an important they plot they, element. they chop the, the monofilament blade chops the three polaroids into two chunks of two and one uh so he Keanu Reeves ends up with one um and then they lose they lose the other uh it's like partially burned or something the other pictures uh and and the fax doesn't go through all the way um and then and then uh, at that point we cut to the free city of Newark which is a bunch of buildings and then some like you know like i said fires in trash cans it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense though because they keep talking about the feds and federal authorities a couple times and they have like a plane system that operates into the city so it it's weird this separation but it seems like a lawless uh like and not not part of a any government and yet they he has got a whole passport check that he goes through and his implants are scanned and all of that well i don't know if you know this or not jason but everything is legal in new jersey oh interesting (laughs) 
even uh, flying the Concorde. Yes, he he does travel on the Concorde to uh, to Newark. That's a good. That's how a good point. futuristic. I know it is right. <laughs> a plane that had stopped being in use by the time this movie was made. They're, they're going to bring it back. It just it, it's a, a retro look for the the Concorde too. It just looks like the old Concorde. Uh, we we take a visit very briefly to the tower headquarters of Pharmacom. In the in the free city of Newark, where they have decided that they need the head of the courier, Johnny. Uh, they don't just want to take the data out of him. They want to cut off his head. And so they are going to send somebody. They have one of the download codes, and uh, they, they, uh, they, they're going to get his head. Joe, you have any comments about the Pharmacom Tower first appearing here? This is the worst model for <laughs> building that I've ever seen. I, I can't believe that they did this. Uh, it is It is... One of those things where you'd be like, if a if you know a kid or a teenager had put this together for like some sort of school report, you'd be like, that that's neat. But in a film, it does not hold up photographically at all. Uh, I I don't I don't understand why it wasn't just a, a photo of some other building and then they just put Pharmacom on top of it. <laughs> yeah, they have towers. Yeah, I mean, you, even compare it to something like RoboCop or something like that, where they've had to make fake skyscrapers before. Movies have done this e- even before the 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 groundbreaking effects work done in Johnny Mnemonic. Um, I it, it just <laughs> it is indescribably painful for me that they keep cutting to this establishing shot and it's not even like different angles because it's a three-dimensional model they cut to the same angle of this thing over and over and over again until the final time they cut to it when uh uh, something unfortunate happens to the model but i i I can't fathom why they chose to do this It, it is bizarre you ever see Metropolis? There's a pretty good fake tower in that. That's like 70 <laughs> years earlier. <laughs> yeah. I love the conversation inside the tower because it's one of those things where they have to tell someone, uh, you speak English. I'll keep speaking Japanese. And then they have one of those weird movie conversations you sometimes get where one person speaks one language and the other person speaks the other language. And we're left to assume they're both fully fluent in each other's languages, so they don't have to pause at any point. They just can't speak it. Yep doesn't happen that often and it's not that interesting uh a scene either no and uh dennis uh who plays shinji has uh i don't know the exact region of canada but it is definitely (laughs) a canadian accent uh it it almost sounds very uh sort of lex like um and uh (laughs) so he he has his his sort of i'm sorry about your kid you know and it's like don't talk about my kid and that that is vaguely related to the plot as it unfolds. Um, but right, because his is... daughter died of nerve attenuation syndrome, you see. Yes. The black shakes. Oh, man. Uh, but but it's not enough to sway him later, except kind of, sort of, maybe, but only when he's dying. It, it, it's it's weird that they bring it up here and then almost do nothing with it uh, other than bring it up one more time. For a very long but... time, until they need it. So they, they, they you know, when they wrote the script, they put, it, put this in back earlier because they knew they would need it later, I guess. Um, hey, Keanu Reeves is going to, he needs some help from a nerdy scientist. And who better to play a nerdy doctor uh. scientist than Henry Rollins? Sure. <laughs> as uh. as you do. Typical computer nerd role for Henry, Henry Rollins. So bad in this. Even for this movie, he is noticeably terrible at yeah. acting. <laughs> Spider. This isn't even the best Henry Rollins acting performance that I've seen. I would, I would gladly watch Bad Boys 2 Henry Rollins over this. Um, this, is, this is not a uh, tour de force uh, performance that he's delivering here. But nobody's really on their A game in this movie, except, uh, you know, Dina Meyer. Might Dina be. Meyer. 
the one who delivers the best performance in the whole film, uh, who's also introduced in the same scene here with with Henry Rollins. And that's surprising because Deanna Meyer. Um, uh, it, so it, it's it's interesting that that you know I, I, that I could hold on to latch on to her as the emotional driving force in all of the scenes that she said, uh, and not Keanu, and definitely not Henry yeah. Rollins and anyone else. I would argue that Ice T has several moments, huh? and and I mean for the most part he manages to sell this this sort of tone of. I can't believe I'm doing this, but okay, here's the dialogue. Well, he's playing basically the same role he does in Tank Girl, except now he's not dr- wearing kangaroo makeup, so he's <laughs> not as good. <laughs> I would like to say that uh, my girlfriend, Rias, has also just watched a Henry Rollins movie called He Never Died, and she says he's great in it. There he's an old, angry person, which seems more his speed. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. he's he seems really, really, really really miscast for this part of spider the doctor there are lines in this where he tries to not sound angry or but he winds up sounding angry even though he shouldn't it's (laughs) it's very odd he's good at angry but some of those lines should just be like oh what's this but no it's it's more like oh it's this and we also see dina myers jane here who she she's uh She's got. She's obviously suffering from the early uh, effects of nerve attenuation <laughs> syndrome. She's mad because she wants to be uh, the uh, Ralphie's uh, bodyguard instead of the uh, the two bodyguards he's got. But she's uh, she's not qualified because she's got the shakes. Um, and uh, we also see Ice T is introduced about here as J Bone, uh, classic Ice T role. Can we talk about Jane really quick? Yes. Yes. Uh, in the story, her character is Molly Millions, who is one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. She also appears in Neuromancer. Yep. And she is the coolest, cyberpunkiest. She is the epitome of cyberpunk. When people say that cyberpunk is all about mirror shades, it's basically because Molly Millions had mirror shades. Although, really, what she had was just the lenses implanted over her eyes. And this movie took a great character and just dumped it down the gutter, man. Yeah. Well, it's not, um, again, I, I think because Neuromancer's right film rights had been sold, they couldn't have Molly millions. Right. So instead they just kind of, it's Jane. She's fine. She doesn't have her cool fingernail razor blade. She doesn't have anything. No. And you know, she, she's fine, but the entire movie, I'm furious that she's not Molly. <laughs> I've read Neuromancer, but I didn't piece together the that she was supposed to be that that character. Well, there's no in way. This role. There's no way you could because there's nothing left of that character. Yeah, you'd have yeah. to read Johnny Mnemonic and see that the character is named Molly, and she's Molly there. <laughs> yeah, but so I didn't find her as disappointing. Um, <laughs> so she was she was actually a breath of fresh air comparatively mm-hmm. uh, most of the time, and uh, I like the scene with her and Ralphie and the bodyguards where she tries to demonstrate that she's good enough, um, that she's faster and better than the the other uh, aging supposedly bodyguards that that he has, and uh, she can't hold her her hand still. Um, so it, that it's a it's a nice little uh, test there. Um, it doesn't involve any killing or doing anything specific. She just can't hold a hand still because uh, she's got the shakes. Baldy uh, 
Yeah, what is that? Is that Ralphie is called Baldy <sighs> at this point? I don't know. There's Baldy. Hey, Baldy. Um, let's see what else. What else happens around here? My notes are increasingly incoherent because I think <laughs> I was starting to write a suicide note. The movie is increasingly incoherent. This is eighty percent of the way through my notes. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, so the we also have the the scene with a J Bone that you had described where Keanu Reeves is going to the place that Ralphie told him to go to based right. on the video call that they had, and he. Uh, Oh, by the way, a video call, how you make a phone call in this world is you get in your VR goggles, and we'll we'll see this again later in detail. You get in your VR goggles and your VR, put in all your VR equipment, and you bring up a screen, and then there's a touchtone pad in it that you dial in the air, and then a, a, and then a picture appears oh, off to the right. There's such a long scene of him miming things, oh. moving things around with his hands, which... Instead of being a scene that The Matrix would do much better, it's a scene that Minority Report would do much better. Right. It's a scene that Parks and Recreation would do much it's better. It's a scene that Shields and Yarnell would do. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone. Um, and so the, uh, we, have, we have the, the, the attempted death here uh, where they're going to extract his head by chopping it off. This is the, I'm gonna, we're going to cut off your head. Uh, there's a line that they have when he's strapped down, which is, uh, uh, time to die. Time? And then there's a big explosion. <laughs> okay. And that was nonsensical. I, I really hate how he checks his watch. He's like, time? And then he then he like clicks the, the thing on the watch and it says the explosion, uh, the explosive device that we saw him put on the outside. But where did he get the explosive from? He just went through a security screening. Um, He's so. just that good. The other uh, inexplicable <laughs> bit of dialogue here is, I want you to do something for me. Say bye. And then he gets yeah. punched. Well, it's every time he says something, it's like, I'm going to show off with my clever, boom, ow. Uh-huh. Every one of those moments. So the point is that um, that uh, there, there's a there's another fight. Uh, oh, first they get Keanu when they hit him on the head. And they say, no, not on the head. we got to cut off his head. Um, so they, they're going to cut off his head. And that is when Jane crashes down through the ceiling vent, saves Johnny, slices the bad guy's friend in, uh, is it slices the bad guy's friend in half with the monofilament or, or who gets sliced with the mono, the monomolecular filament? I think you're combining these two attacks. Oh yeah. There's, <laughs> so there's the one where they get Keanu and then there's the one where she saves Keanu and they happen yeah. back yeah. to back here. <laughs> this, yeah. fi- this, fi- these fight scenes combine two flaws. You can't tell what's going on, and also you don't care what's going (laughs) on. (laughs) Accurate. Accurate on Um, both points. But, you know, after uh, Keanu gets out of the situation, and he takes care of the one guy, and then he's fighting the other guy, and Ice-T has his buddy who gets shot by accident, uh, and then Ice-T, you know, takes out the guy, and it's like, oh, we're even, you know, don't mess with me. And it's like, well, you tell me something about you, because I'm going to point a gun at you now. And then he says... I run heaven over there at the bridge and he turns around and he's gone because oh, yeah. that's, that's how that works. And also the bridge is ridiculous because it's a suspension bridge. So I don't know how those cables were staying up, um, but they, they were. <laughs> uh-huh. I I can't even remember what happens after that scene, but they cut away too. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we should probably just skip ahead to yeah, for, the second fight. Um, from here, I have three more lines, three more notes. <laughs> this is where she saves him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where he gets bust. Uh, uh, she's going to go back in and confront Ralphie, and he is uh, trying to get the stuff from Ralphie. But the you know he's he's tr- strapped down to the table now, and uh, they 
have her go through the ceiling vents and drop down and save him. And it's like, I'll pay you 20,000. Yes. To make it 50,000 and okay deal. Um, so that's, that's great. And then they get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the, uh, the Yakuza, uh, guy who's very upset that the guy stood in the way with the door and then the door closed. And then he, instead of using the, the, the mono wire to open the door, he turns around and kills, uh, Ralphie kills Ralphie. Um, with That's the, right. The the slice um, and uh, slices him three times, uh, and then uh, you get a nice little cut of him uh, sliding apart as yeah. as if this were uh, a Japanese anime where somebody had been just sliced three times with a with a very sharp samurai sword. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, then he's out of there chasing them, yep. and they run and they run. And Lots they run of gun forever. fire and running, gunfire and running. And you make a gun futuristic, not by making it smaller, but by making it bulkier, so you can't really tell what kind of gun it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they just keep shooting things and running past tons of, of uncollected trash, uh, and they uh, <laughs> arrive at a low-tech stronghold. You've got to pick it up and put it in the burning bin, and then yeah. you just burn the trash for fuel. Oh, well, somebody should tell New Jersey that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they, they get to the low-tech stronghold, and yes. oh, it's it's it's... It's Ice T again, and uh, he protects them. Um, and they, because he and Jane know one another, and she used to run with them. What, what a coincidence! All this is coming together. Right. So the low techs uh, are able to protect them from the yakuza and uh, send them down into the steam tunnels. Something. It's like an abandoned subway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, they they start walking through the abandoned subway. Um, and if you were the Yakuza and you were like, where did they go? It'd be like probably along the path of the abandoned subway uh, because it's it's a tunnel. Uh, but they don't go looking for no. them necessarily. And uh, they they uh, have a very long scene here where we get the first sort of like memory flashback from his memory seepage problem. And uh, she lets him sleep and he's very upset about it because uh, they, you shouldn't have done that because he's on, he's on a timer from, from all of this, from the flashbacks to the bicycle yes. and the window synaptic seizures yeah yeah th- this is this is a great relationship because both of them have seizures in sequence here <laughs> first he has his seizure and she takes care of him uh and then later she has her uh her little uh, network attached storage seizure of her own that that he gets to watch so you know they're buddies have a buddy yeah. it's a buddy system Really? Yeah. Meanwhile, by the way, this is the point where Takashi gets spoken to by a computer program of some sort in the in the form of a of a lady's face. Yes, who and shouts you, at him. Yeah, and you go, "Huh?" <laughs> and then it cuts away and it, it will be we'll come back to that later apparently. Oh, and also uh he he asks his office admin about what happened, um about seeing this. And uh and there's this whole long scene where she's like, "That was the Swedish whatever it was who ran the company the founder of the and, company yeah and she had her mind uploaded in zurich to the thing by the geneva whatever ai convention she's it is a whole long rambling expository thing of of how she came to be and it's like but she's she doesn't do anything in the film she just shows up every now and then shouts at people she remind yeah she reminds people of things and again you've got this really kind of interesting cyberpunk backstory that we are entirely just told uh yeah. in a in a download 
And this is the sort of thing that never happens in a William Gibson story, at least not an early one, because he's all about really short declarative sentences and moving things along and having stuff happen. There are no times in Neuromancer or Burning Chrome where everyone just stops and someone delivers a five-minute backstory speech. Yeah, even the staging of this, she's sitting in a chair reading off of like a clipboard with her head down looking at the clipboard so she's not even the the camera is looking at the top of her head uh to the the weird bun that she has on top and he's sitting against his desk and they just cut back and forth between the two of them and it's like why would you stage something like this it is it is beyond bizarre it is so uninteresting in every way what is being said what you're shooting uh it is it is tedious uh but but that, anyway that scene bothers me uh they they you know, recover and they go uh, to go do his thing through the abandoned mall food court or yes, whatever they walk through. Yes, that that was I I thought that was kind of a fun touch that the the uh, they they walk through a mall. Yeah, that, that mall scene better days. Uh, oh, uh, Johnny explains that he had to dump a chunk of his long term memory. His childhood was dumped in order to get his uh, uh, get his implants put in, but now he needs to get to a computer. He says as they walk through the the shopping mall that has been colonized by people, people are living in it now, the abandoned shopping mall. And my note here is he needs to get to a computer. And I thought, if only there were some sort of mobile device that could get you on the Internet in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's about to say a word that is uh, not the word it sounds like. (laughs) It's time to build a PC. No one will be seated during the exciting building a virtual reality PC <laughs> scene where there's exciting music. We see a lot of different products, <laughs> including one called the Thompson iPhone, which made me laugh, but I think it's eyes, like it goes on your yeah. eyes. There, yeah. he, he assembles this this thing. He's got a data gloves, and he's got his, his <laughs> VR thing. He has to put it all together because he's got to make, uh, make this phone call. And, and then we get to see the v- amazing VR interface, which is that there's a globe uh. that he grabs. And then he dials uh. on a keypad in VR, but it's in <laughs> VR. And then he, he has the phone call. My favorite piece of technology is the GPL stealth module. Um, Cause you know, your, your graphics, you want to have to be as stealthy as possible. You don't want anyone to detect your graphics. It is, it is, it is weird the way they came up with these mangled sentences for these, this stuff. I, I liked the scene of him building this, the computer out of the random stuff they found in that room because it reminded me of every episode of the A-Team. <laughs> Except the music was not as inspiring as no. you usually got with the close-ups of people welding things no. together to turn a <laughs> tractor into an impregnable tank that shot potatoes. There's a weird conversation in VR, uh, but it, there's a huge plot twist, which is the fax modem has a buffer. And so some of the fa- thing that was fax, remember the fax earlier? Uh-huh. This is a key fax plot point, fax-related pl- plot point, um, may be in the buffer mm. in a Newark copy shop, or or should I say the Newark copy shop, because it's referred to as the copy shop. There's only the one, because in the future, there, you know, who needs copies? His interaction of... Uh... Uh, hacking into the hotel so that he can get this information. He's just grabbing these these parts of this triangular block and turning them, and then yes. it's like, okay, I'm unlocked now. <laughs> it's like a com- It's like he's a, he's a safe cracker or something. Also, he's like he goes to the the lobby of the virtual reality yeah. of the hotel and then and and then dials in to. Well, it's like you have to solve a Rubik's cube to hack in, which yeah. is a cool idea. But they or, didn't or a pyramid. Yeah, they didn't want to make it too complicated, so it's like a two-by-two-by-two by two by two 
Rubik's Cube instead. It is, it is peculiar, because also when he goes on to hack some other stuff later on, it, it is just just physically manipulating some things a couple times, and then it's like, okay, it's hacked now. It's yeah. like, I I don't really think that that is, that is a good way to do any of this, um, but... Uh, and I certainly don't think it helps to communicate anything to the audience, but I guess it would have been too complicated uh, to, you know, or boring. Um, not that this movie is afraid of doing anything boring yeah. uh, to communicate any other way of doing it. Well, they're not going to show how to really hack things. It's a bike yeah. lock, but it's in virtual reality. So that makes it high security. No, it's just a bike lock. You just turn it and it pops right off. And then you can access the buffers on fax machines. I guess this is why you have to entrust your data to someone to physically walk around the planet. Yeah, it turns out those fax <laughs> machines have more memory in them than he does. Ah, <laughs> uh, ridiculous. So they put a virus on him. <gasps> yeah, black ice. That sounds like bad news. Yeah, and and also the the uh, cars are coming to get them, the Yakuza cars. They're electric cars, apparently, because they dub in a kind of high-pitched electric whine as they're coming to get us. So you can tell they're electric cars. It's the future. Because in the future, there'll yeah. be electric cars. Okay. Well, all right. Fair enough. Good job, John Mnemonic. All right. <laughs> that reminds me of Freejack, where the only thing they did to make things <laughs> oh, futuristic was put some giant foam stuff all over the cars. Oh, man. Uh, that one that looked like a tank. Um, uh, anyway, I don't want to get us into Freejack. Freejack. But that, 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 also a movie with problems. How young? Uh, how dare you? <laughs> but it's they got Mick Jaggers. But the, a, the, the AI face uh, dead ghost lady in the computer, the ghost <laughs> in the machine says, oh, they're coming. You've got to go and warns them off. Um, and, and they have to run away because the electric cars are coming. This is when we're introduced to another one of our key characters in the film. It is the hairy Jesus murderer known <laughs> yes. as Street Preacher, played by Dolph Lundgren. And he's great in this. He is. I love this character. It, it is interesting, too, because this is apparently after he uh, had improved his uh, English-speaking abilities uh, so that he, he's very articulate as the preacher uh, in comparison to, you know, like Masters of the Universe He-Man or something. Um, so he, he's actually uh, much better than you would imagine Dolph Lundgren to be if I were to tell you that Dolph Lundgren was a murderous preacher in a movie. Um, so I, I like him in this. Oh, yeah, he's he's a long way from I must break yeah. you. Oh, yes. I think he's super, super fun in this. He's, he's, he is a lot of fun. I would say he's probably the best actor in the movie. He he legitimately seems to have some kind of inner life, which certainly nobody else does. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> and he enjoys his work. He has motivation that he apparently kills people for money so he can keep adding more cyber implants to himself and keep getting more and more powerful. Yep. And occasionally yeah. something about Jesus. That you you got it. That you nailed him. Right. Um, uh, oh, at this point, Jane says, uh, "I know this guy, uh, Spider. He can fix your." And she has the her uh, her her seizure, her her the shakes. Black shakes. But uh, black shakes. it's the black shakes. Yeah, it's the <laughs> it's the NAS. I think somebody uh, they might be playing at Coachella one of these years. The black shakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any anyway. movie, Black Shake Moan? <laughs> so Henry Rollins tries to help her. Wait, wait, wait. I got one more. Uh, but good news. McDonald's says Black Shakes are back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just squid ink flavored. Uh, you've, no, you've attenuated my nerves now, Monty. <laughs> uh, Henry Rollins tries to help her. Uh, the ghost of the machine appears again. 
The street street preacher appears and kills a guy. They're yeah. inside with more burning trash cans, which, as I said before, is a sign of the apocalypse, but also not healthy on the inside to burn your, your trash cans. Leave that outside, folks. What if they're weird high-tech trash that emit oxygen when they're burned? Ooh. Interesting. Ooh. Uh, we we learn the origin of Dr. Alcum, who is maybe the person that they need to find out uh, the secrets uh, from about uh, about Johnny's implants. And Because, hey, remember Johnny? Remember that he had implants? We sort of forgot because there was a lot of nonsense going on. Dr. Alcum, it turns out, Spider uh, says, is, is actually just a medical term for when they don't want to freak people out when there's something incredibly difficult and scary happening at a hospital. They'll page Dr. Alcum, which means... Everybody needs to come because something bad just happened. So that was a nice little bit of uh, medical trivia. Thanks, yeah. Henry Rollins. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> writing the script had the uh, 1995 equivalent of Wikipedia, let's yep. say, in Carta. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and said, oh, I got to work this into my next movie by whatever means necessary. There's there's some trust issues between... Uh, uh, Keanu Reeves and Henry Rollins. Well, I was going to say, this is your moral dilemma yeah. of the movie, really, which is that what Henry Rollins basically says is, look, you've got the cure for NAS in there. That's what this is. This company with their with their fake tower, Pharmacom, uh, they have found the cure, but they don't want to save anybody with it because they're having uh, they're making too much money from their various drugs. And so this is the way where the corporations are screwing the little guy. But... Uh, I, we can get it out. We can rip your your uh, your implants out and get the cure out. But you will maybe not die, but you'll have some. You know, you'll have no long term memory and probably some problems with your movement. But uh, but hey, you'll save millions of people, and you're probably going to die regardless of what happens. So uh, what do you say? And then this is this is the moral dilemma for Johnny, I guess, which is you know, does he let them? you know, cripple him or kill him in exchange for the the cure, which I think basically uh, never gets resolved because uh, Harry, Jesus murderer, Dolph Lundgren attacks them and then it doesn't matter. But I, I thought that was an interesting attempt to have at least some sort of moral dilemma for Johnny. Yeah. And he's, he's got to be selfless. Not that that was ever hinted at being an issue before this, I guess, strongly. Because um, no. like... Like Monty said, he has his, his his breakdown shortly after this, where he has all this responsibility that he didn't want to have to deal with uh, when they take Spider's dump truck thing and go over to uh, uh, heaven, um, and oh. uh, he, they he he gets very frustrated and lays it all out there, all this pent up rage that he has about room service, et cetera, that that Monty had discussed, and so it, it is sort of strange that the dilemma isn't as tethered to the rest of the things that you know he, he it's not like uh he's been selling people out the whole entire time uh that we've seen on screen because we've only seen this one transaction right yeah he's purposely enigmatic to us his, his name is johnny and he doesn't even have a last name and he doesn't remember much of his past so i felt like they were purposely saying he's nobody and then all of a sudden he has to make a decision that has nothing to do with him and it, it seems like bad movie construction. <laughs> you think? Yeah. I do uh, think that, yes. Yeah, this is a surprise. Maybe a little bit. Um, so Dolph Lundgren attacks. They run. Uh, they want to set up a meet to maybe, again, still trying, hoping against hope that there's going to be a way out of this. Turns out, though, that he's not talking to a real person. He's talking to a puppet being controlled by a virtual reality. 
Um, it's a, a, a fake person he's talking to. Yeah, it's happened to all of us. The ghost of the machine appears again and bugs Takahashi about, uh, about doing the right thing and his, and his daughter, I think at this point. And then we get to the scene that makes the movie, if you thought the movie was slow before, it stops the movie dead in its tracks, <laughs> which is the action set piece where they try to get up into the bridge, which is being patrolled by a couple of idiots. Uh, it's the comic relief. <laughs> because it's been so tense and dramatic up until now. We need these dopes. There was neither comedy nor relief that occurred in the scene. <laughs> I, I, they're, 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 they're idiots at the bridge speaking things we ca- i can't even understand uh they they are looking down at our at our our heroes who are down below at one point there's a a mistake and they they drop a a, a car on the van that they came over in and blow it up which should mean something and doesn't it doesn't mean um, anything. it just <laughs> sort of sets up the the fact that they have some sort of defensive measure yeah. where they can drop this car, which they use one other time after this. Yeah, there's another car exactly like this car that also blows things up. <laughs> I did like that Jane was just standing there kind of staring off into the distance, and Johnny had to come save her from that. She's his bodyguard, and she did not notice the flaming VW bug plummeting from the sky. I don't know how much of it has to do with the way they decided to make the film, um, assuming that in the short story she was a uh she was much more of the person protecting him than is featured here because it seems almost like this is sort of your traditional you know guy has to protect the girl uh even though she's supposed to be a ridiculously awesome person who can do anything yeah um so yeah it's weird that's that's exactly right but then ice t comes down on his little platform yeah he comes to get them uh we we have (laughs) we do have a moment in here where um Johnny, this is this is the moment where I find it very bizarre that we're suddenly supposed to sort of ident- identify with Johnny as a person, right? Because this is where he says, now I'm responsible for the whole world. Uh, he rants about wanting laundered shirts or hookers. <laughs> okay. Uh, Always launder your hookers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, you don't know where they've been. Tip your shirts. Yeah, do, though. So, uh, yeah. So Ice-T comes down to get them. He's wearing, like, ski goggles. I, I, I thought that was a good look for him. <sighs> Now, I felt like this might, I, I, I can't defend this, but I felt like no. this maybe wasn't supposed to be Ice-T, or one of the earlier Henry Rollinses wasn't supposed to be Henry Rollins, because this is the third time we've run into Ice-T, and we run, run in, ran into Henry Rollins a couple times, yeah. and I don't know, it just... It's it like they didn't have enough like, characters. Yeah. Like, why is this the same guy he ran into twice before? Because we paid money for ice tea. <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's also weird because it seems like every time they meet, it's like the first time they've ever met. Yeah, there's a lot of, who's this guy? <laughs> well, you just saw if you had me. cut out all of the previous ice tea scenes in this film, and it had just been this introduction here, it would play exactly the same, um, which is which is very peculiar in terms yeah. of like the what they chose to do with this. And also, if you cut out all the other th- scenes except for the low-tech thing, you'd be like, oh, wow, a nice tea cameo that has nothing to do with anything, but he's here, and then he's gone, and it had nothing to do with anything. And then in the very beginning, same thing. I, I have no idea why they chose to make it so it doesn't build at all to anything yeah. uh it, so it, it, maybe they were just like oh, i don't know if the scene's gonna work so we better construct every time we meet him so that it's just we can be excised or something it, it is very peculiar maybe he just has bad short-term memory 
Yeah, well, he has memory problems. He might have the black shakes. Uh, Johnny almost has a memory of his childhood here. He and Jane <laughs> almost kiss in a totally unearned way, but then they don't. <laughs> you just summed up remains of the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, inside this place, also this is very much like the remains of the day. Inside the ice tea, uh, low-tech place, they have a bunch of TVs. Oh, I love this set design. It's just mm. a million TVs. It's a million TVs. It reminds me, Monty, of a, uh, a, a public art project you'd see at UC San Diego. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. I'm, I'm serious. This this is I'm very nostalgic for when a million TVs everywhere was a thing you could do. Like, you're putting on your uh, low-budget play. What, what do we do for the set? A uh, million TVs. TVs. A million TVs all yeah. wired together so that they show, like, a color or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they've got that, and then, but Ice T explains, no, the, the video comes in, and then we remix it, and then we and we like extract it, and then we broadcast it out, and and lots of other junk that he says here because it's like super cool, man. Um, which I kept thinking that the plot was going to be that since they were recording the three images to unlock his memory, uh, they off of the television, that if they got one of the images, they could know when it, they could figure out like when it aired and what the other channels were and they could figure out how to unlock the code that totally didn't you're, you're being too smart that's one way to go <laughs> i i think he's just like rebroadcasting all the law and order and and special victims unit episodes over and over again that's what he's from doing. the future yeah like yeah it's the, it, but it's the movie's past okay i'm in you know there's a totally sane rational explanation for why they don't do any of that jason and that is because they have a uh navy operative who is very jones specifically trained in dealing with this sort of stuff, in, in dealing with encryption, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's it's a cyborg dolphin. It's <laughs> <laughs> it is Ensign Darwin. No, Bridger friend. That is my last note of the movie. Just the words <laughs> cyber dolphin. <laughs> oh my yes, Jones is a dolphin, um, and with with cyborg kind of parts. Uh, they attach Johnny to the virtual reality. The Yakuza, those guys never give up. They attack. My notes say fights, comma, nonsense. It is directed so poorly. You have no idea what's oh, happening. Yeah. And the Matrix, the, people are dressed like they're in the Matrix. There's guys in cool black trench coats. They're fighting Keanu Reeves. And man, is it terrible. It's terrible and boring and nonsensical. The ghost of the machine appears again and tells uh, Takashi that his daughter died of the disease. He needs to he needs to make a difference <laughs> now. He gets shot. Uh, there's more shooting. Uh, they're, they're, they hang they, they, at one point. They're being chased and they end up it, this like trap door goes open and they're hanging over the water under the bridge. But the the mono the monofilament cable cuts the 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 bad guy. Uh, so they're, they're saved, but, oh, the preacher, street preacher is there. Um, and he's got, he's got Jane, uh, and, uh, Takashi has been shot as we saw before, but, uh, he has the second photo and he's sad about his dead daughter who died of the horrible disease. Um, and then I have a line that I believe I've never written before, which is <laughs> dolphin zaps him very slowly. But this uh-huh. is literally it. We, we, we are led to believe that, uh, there, that since the street preacher is there, things are, are in dire, uh, straits and, and how are they going to get out of this? And what happens is very, very, very slowly they maneuver <laughs> the dolphin and Keanu Reeves so that the dolphin can, can use his 
sonic wave power amplified through an antenna to microwave the street preacher basically but it's so slow it is the it is it is the opposite of action it is just very very methodically this happens over a long stretch of time before finally uh Dolph Lundgren bursts into flames and is in like 20 seconds is just a desiccated microwaved corpse on the ground. I thought it was a magnet, not a microwave. Like I thought it was pulling his nanotechnology out of him. I That could be. Oh. I don't I don't know. That would have been more interesting. It's amplified dolphin waves though that are doing it. As far as I can tell. Well, it doesn't make the microwaves any more than it makes it. I thought it was microwaves because of the transmitter um was a microwave yeah. transmitter, mm-hmm. but I might be wrong. Uh, all of us yeah. might be wrong because this doesn't really technically make any sense. It but like make, a very no. very low wattage microwave, he slowly gets burned on the outside and presumably is frozen on the inside. Um, and and he falls over. Just that's not like how microwaves work, Joe. <laughs> they don't. They, yeah. Anyway, maybe that is how microwaves work in the I future. Have you ever tried to microwave like one of those those uh, frozen burritos? They they don't exactly. Heat evenly. Are and you how? saying Street Preacher was frozen on the inside to begin with? Maybe that's why he needed okay. all this. Metaphorically, yes. Yeah, I'm saying he was a burrito to begin. <laughs> with. Okay. Microwaves don't freeze things on the inside; they start frozen. Yeah. And then they, anyway, that's just what the man wants you to believe. <laughs> the third, the third image. It turns out the third image they've been looking for. It's in the data. Isn't that great? It's in the data. What? They didn't need to what? get the third image after all. And I, I think Ice T at this point declares to everybody, "Hey, everyone." out there because they're going to broadcast the, the cure to everyone he says get your vcrs ready <laughs> so what that means is we know that the thing that was recorded inside johnny's head was a video file of some sort not a high quality one we see some of it and it does look like it's from a vhs yeah and it's 320 gigabytes which means these people are going to be watching it for a long long time i think they're taking all the data and they're just outputting it as on the video signal in order to get it into the world using the means that they've got well you'd like to think that but we see the start of the transmission and it says like video pharmacom data okay maybe maybe they're, they're referring these are data vcrs from the future Ooh, oh sold yeah. oh this <laughs> transmission does make a building catch on fire so it's not it's Yes. Let's not worry about this. Immediately, <laughs> it does upon broadcasting it. The building let's catch. It's actually fire. like that the the Pokemon episode that caused seizures. It's, it's that kind of. So thing. what happens is, and I'm gonna let me explain stuff this. In that they, they wire up Keanu. He's gonna. They're gonna download the the stuff out out of his implants and and transmit it. That's what they're gonna do. So he has to go into VR. The highlight, and Monty, this is about when my notes cease. <laughs> the highlight is not just do they have a cyber dolphin and a tank, but when he goes into VR uh, and is struggling to hack things in order to get out his his uh, his his data from his implants. Yes, he's hacking his own brain. He is aided by a VR dolphin because the dolphin is also in VR, and when there's a little mm-hmm. 3D dolphin who appears at several points. Uh, like a level of a video game. By 1995, because of muds and mucks, people understood that when you were online, you could have any avatar you want. Mm. The but the doesn't. dolphin didn't. On the on the internet, no one knows you're a dolphin. That's dolphin the, could have that's been that's a lion truth. or something. So the download proceeds. Johnny's memories uh, are starting to come back to him as well. Thank goodness. I was really worried about Johnny as a human being and a character. <laughs> <sighs> 
I don't remember that subplot <laughs> at all. And I swear I watched this movie. I don't remember anything about him whining about not remembering all, his all, childhood. Li- literally, all it is is, oh, I don't have any childhood memories. And then there's a flash of a childhood memory of him like with a birthday cake of happy birthday, Johnny. And then later he's like, oh, yeah, my birthday party. Now you've got it, Monty. <laughs> That's the whole story arc right there. It's like three now scenes. Now I like the movie. But what happens <laughs> while the Johnny's memories are being downloaded, yes, the uh, the the really fake tower that Joe mentioned earlier just bursts into flames. Pharmacom Tower catches on fire because of data exports. <laughs> I don't really understand. Mm. Which I would like to think was Joe's favorite moment in the it whole. Was not. Film. Yeah, Joe. How did you feel? I, I, <laughs> no. Well, like, it, well, what was your favorite moment? <laughs> There's so many. It's hard to pick. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think the holding the hand still might actually be my favorite moment from from. If uh, I'm being serious, uh, but uh, the uh, yeah, the, the, this okay. tower catching on fire does nothing for me because I thought, oh, then maybe they they made this model because they were going to blow it up. They didn't even have the guts to blow up the model. I guess maybe they're like, what if we have to reshoot this model? We better only lightly set it on fire. Um, it doesn't. We'll, we'll oh, singe it. God, it, it, what, what a what a total <laughs> waste. Yeah. 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 So uh it's payback uh, time is a line that happens here. And then um and then what happens is we get exactly what we wanted the, the payoff for this movie that we wanted which is Johnny and Jane standing in front of a a green screen with the fiery tower fake tower matted in behind them look at each other meaningfully and once again don't really kiss and that's the end. Ta-da. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> We're free! We're free! Um, so my last... This is where I wrote... After this movie finished and we got that point, I wrote, I wrote my last note. And I'm just going to read it verbatim now. <laughs> <laughs> what the actual fuck? <laughs> oh, can we curse? <laughs> Only I can curse, Monty. No, go ahead. Oh. Uh, I'm bleeping it all. It's all bleep being bleeped. Well, since every other word in the damn movie was fu- Come on. M- many of my notes oh. contain the phrase super theme. <laughs> the action scenes, the, v- the virtual reality, the special effects, the dialogue. Uh, you know, we've seen some bad movies where I thought, oh, this got away from them, but at least it's it's zany and wacky. Or or what were they thinking? This, this is like... I I don't understand how this could have been made. I I really am baffled by it. It is it is it's not like a cool cat where it's somebody who doesn't seem to have seen any movies before, but it is it it does really feel like a movie directed by a a sculptor. <laughs> and there's there's even like basic stuff with how they made this where it's just like the execution is completely absent from this. You know, so it's not even like people executing well on a poor idea um, or people that have a great idea that's executed poorly. It's, it, it is just checking all the boxes at doing yeah. this bad across the board. Um, so I, I, I don't understand. Like if you were the director and this is the first time directing, maybe you were just scared to give the actors direction or something. Cause I can't imagine them turning in these performances otherwise. Uh, and like we said, you know, Dina Meyer and Dolph Lundgren highlights of the acting in this film. Um, Keanu Reeves, <laughs> horrible. Um, and, you know, he's he's gone on to do much better things than this. Um, and I, I just I can't fathom <sighs> what this is other than the direction. It must just not be there. He's he's he had directed music videos, so it's not like he's totally inept. 
but mm. it, you know it's a different muscle flexing there uh but yeah the acting is is just nothing yeah. nothing works and there are several points in the movie i mean there's there's the one where uh, early on where the the two of them are you know one speaking in uh i guess japanese and the other speaking english back and forth and and it just cuts between two identical headshots yeah and it never changes and there's no there's nothing visually interesting about it there is no point for it to be this close there's no long shots there's no two shots it's just back forth back forth it's like pong it's like what what are you well, doing yeah, and there's oh pong i would have liked to see pong in this <laughs> i would totally have watched <laughs> <Yeah>. pong <laughs> uh. Pong is a little more technologically advanced. By this point in Keanu Reeves' career, he had been in good movies. Like, he'd done Bill and Ted's. I mean, Dangerous Liaisons is a fantastic movie, even if he's terrible in it. He'd done My Own Private Idaho and... Speed. He was in Speed. It was a big hit. Yeah. The year before. And then he just lost everything. It's weird. And, I mean, you you can tell there... I mean, I remember the whole marketing push and all the synergy, right? Oh, yeah. Sony did a lot of synergy, yeah. And the... The the tie-in novelization and this and the script you could buy the script There's separately. A novelization and, of this, and you could get TV uh, t-shirts and hats and hack your own brain. I actually am. I mean, I mentioned at the at the beginning, and I wanted to get back to it. Four four years later, The Matrix came out, and and there are some things these movies have in common, and and I mm-hmm. think it goes to show how, um, you know this this is just like what not to do this is the left turn and that's the right turn that the, that there's so many things that in terms of every aspect of this production that are done well in the matrix and and poorly in johnny mnemonic and keanu reeves is a good example of that where his character is is not that different in some ways between the two movies and yet and keanu reeves you know he's a, he is a limited <laughs> actor okay yes, but he can, he can be, be deployed, deployed well. well and in this movie yes. He is he is left to drown by the director. Yeah, and I mean it, it's it's so weird that they're only four years apart too. Because I mean it's like you said about Max Headroom feeling more advanced, even though it was nine years earlier. And and this feels like a late seventies, early eighties take on what will the computers be like? Right. It reminded me a lot of that that uh, overdrawn at the memory bank film that, they, that oh, no. PBS did, that, that MST did. But it was the same kind of like, here's what virtual reality will be like. And it's like, no. Oh. Well, this is uh, your fault, Joe, because you listed this. <laughs> oh, I, I, I compiled a list of things and I seem to recall yeah. that there were very many people who, who were like, yes, I totally want to do that. And the- I, I, I totally would. I, I've never, I'd never seen it before and I've read all of William Gibson's novels and I was very interested in how wrong it could be. And it is, yeah, it is, it is bad <laughs> it is in wrong. all phases. It is, it's, it's, there are some ideas in here, but even they are so poorly. I, I don't know. What did I expect? I expected something kind of incompetently done where, uh, things you know they 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 tried really hard to be something more and it just fell apart and and yet watching it I didn't feel like that at all I felt like it was kind of sluggish and lazy and 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 pulling on the tropes of cyberpunk but never really getting what made cyberpunk stuff great uh, across and maybe that has to do with I mean look you've got a, a screenplay written by a novelist and directed uh, and a film directed by a sculptor 
So, you know. Jeez, Jason, you hate sculptors. The, the actors, well, the actors are dentists. The set designers were florists. Well, what if the, what if well, the, the actors, actors are musicians? The actors are clay. The cinematographer. Yeah, one of the actors is a rock musician. The cinematographer hmm. is an ophthalmologist. It just goes on and on and on with people not doing their jobs. That's you're, you're exactly right, that it feels like someone taking those tropes. It feels like a lazy ripoff of William Gibson. I know, and that's the baffling thing about him being the screenplay credit. Like, the few good things that are in it are clearly, it's like, oh yeah, that's I remember that from the story, or I remember that from just Gibson himself, or, or just general cyberpunk. And then it's as if it was put together by monkeys after the fact. <laughs> yeah. Well, I honestly kind of enjoy Ice-T in this just because he's so close to his performance in Tank Girl, which is a movie that makes less sense but is a ton more fun. Yeah, I think that's also yeah. one of those things where I also hadn't seen this before, even though I was just like, sure, I'll talk about it, because uh, it was fascinating. <laughs> but the the uh, the thing was, I thought that it would be more of a point and laugh at kind of like, look, look, look at this, and this is hilarious, and this is fun, and... The, the, some sort of self-awareness perhaps but there is there is none of that there, there is there is no reaching for the stars to to make a great movie and falling short there is no you know uh, uh attempt at poking fun at their own inability to deliver on the budget they have because they had a lot of money um and, and it just winds up God. being this mush that i, I, I don't find appealing <laughs> at all yeah it's a shame mm-hmm. And as a as a fan of Max Headroom, which was you know, which is a very cyberpunk uh, TV show, I you know, uh, I was baffled by this because it's just like oh, there's so many things that they could have done that they didn't do, and instead it's just some cheesy, uh, you know, some cheesy 3D, you know, effects of the of the VR world, and even the VR stuff is not that interesting. No, and that was uh, Sony Pictures Imageworks uh, was doing that, uh, it, which was not. They were just starting out at the time in 1995. Like I think it was just like Stuart Little and like this. I think, um, but they they this is not the height of their game, and it is very clearly something that just looks like Lawnmower Man, um, and uh, in in many ways sort of just does a cleaned up, more polished version of what Lawnmower Man was, which I don't think anybody was like, I want more of that, even in 1995. No. And to put this movie in co- like film history context, it's the same year as Strange Days, which is a much better cyberpunk movie. Yep. It, it's also the same year as Pulp Fiction, which seems like it comes from a completely different universe. Oh, all right. Well, we did it, everybody. <laughs> what did we do? I don't know, but we did it. We got through Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Moronic. <sighs> David Lore, thanks for being here. I I having suffered through Cool Cat twice, I'm I'm <laughs> just happy I was here for this, I think. Uh huh. D- <laughs> Joe Rosensteel, thank you, I guess, for suggesting that we watch this. Oh don't 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 pin this all on me. You all agreed to it. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> We would have forgotten and, about it. And Monty Ashley, I want you to do something for me. <laughs> Say bye. Jason, I'm a dead man if I don't get this out of my head. Ah, and Whoa. to everybody out there, all I have to say is get your VCRs ready. The broadcast will commence momentarily. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Rocket Surgery. We will see you next time. Bye.